This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hey, More Than Workers. One of our favorite television shows that I think actually three out of four of us watch. Uh, There's one of us that doesn't watch it very much, and I won't call out who Matt is, but the rest of us, I think, kind of enjoy this is The Office. And there is one of our favorite episodes of The Office was when Michael Scott quits The Office, he decides to leave and Jim's got a new boss. And the new boss goes to Jim and says, hey, Jim, give me a rundown. I need you to get a rundown. Give me a rundown. And Jim says, did you want just a typical rundown or do you want a detailed rundown? What kind of rundown do you want? And he's trying to impress the new boss and the new boss is not liking Jim early on. So Jim's just kind of like, he doesn't feel comfortable asking too many questions. And the boss is just like, no, just give me a typical rundown. Like, is this going to be a problem? He's like, no, 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 I'll get you a rundown right away. And so the boss leaves and then he's left with not knowing what a rundown is. He doesn't know what a rundown is. He's been asked to, he's been given an assignment to do a rundown and he has no idea what a rundown is. So he's going to other people in the office, like, can you, what is, what do you think a rundown is? And no one else has any idea either. Like what's a rundown? And he's asking people, they said, well, use it in a sentence. And they said, give me that rundown by tomorrow. Like, nope, that doesn't help me. And then, so finally he goes to the boss and he's asking for, for clues on the rundown, but he's not asking like, what is a rundown? I don't know what that is. He's just saying, um, I'm working on the rundown. I've been working on it. And the boss says, you know, you've been working hard on the rundown, even on our basic rundown. And he's like, no, I've been working the right amount of time on this rundown and it just gets awkward and the whole episode he's checking on the rundown and then finally at the end he's like you okay i've got a rundown for you do you want to see it and he just puts some stuff on paper i guess and he's like well just you know send it to the distribution list and he's he doesn't know what that is either so he's like you don't want to see it first so he ends up faxing it to his dad i believe is what he does in the episode He's like, I'm faxing this rundown to my dad because I don't know what else to do with this. And the boss just moves on and he kind of gets away with it, but he never learns what a rundown is. So we thought today would be kind of fun as an episode to talk about things that employees don't tell their employers. So if you're an employee, I think you're going to enjoy this because some of these things are probably things you're like, you're right. I would not tell my boss that. And then if you are a boss, you might hear that like, really? My my people won't tell me that. They won't say things to me about that. So we're going to talk about things that employees don't tell their employers. And with us, as always, is our amazing team here at People Centered Consulting Group. We've got Diana Royalty and Bethany Taff and our facilitator, Matt Griswold. Good day. I was going to say afternoon, but it might be the morning. You guys might be listening to this working out in the morning right now. So you're going with the Robin day. Williams thing there. Is that what you're <laughs> leaning into? It's always today is now an opening and a closing on the More Than Work podcast here. So aloha. Yeah, aloha. It means both. Uh, first of all, Don, thank you for the office reference. Very funny. Very funny. Uh, it is good. funny. You always laugh whenever we tell the office stories, but you don't watch <laughs> the office. You know, I'm more of a fan of Office Space, the movie. Whenever we start working with companies in the cubicles, like the Bobs come out, people think we're the Bobs, and that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast too. Maybe maybe we'll run down, uh, maybe how we're like the Bobs and how we're not like the Bobs. Uh, we could do know. a whole episode on how to play your music at an appropriate level. <laughs> right. So I think you know this this whole concept of being able to okay, so what are those things that you know your people are not going to tell you as a manager? What are those things your people are not going to say? First of all, maybe a good place to start before I start passing it around the table to hear your thoughts is this is a good pulse check for managers. Like one of the main questions I would say, if I'm a manager, 
have I done a good job of creating the space where my people feel comfortable bringing me things? And here's, here's the deal. Like you might be sitting there going, my people know better than to bring me certain things. Like I would lose it and they know it. And I don't know that you're winning in that. Or you might be the manager that's going, I think so. I mean, I think they do. I don't know. I feel, it seems like, you know, now that you bring it up though, I ask the questions and I never have any responses. Maybe that's because they don't have anything to say. Or maybe it's because you haven't done a great job of creating the space for them to feel comfortable to communicate. So I'm not saying neither here nor there, uh, only you can answer that, but it's probably a good place to start this whole idea of the conversation. You know, normally when we do these types of topics, we talk about our lists ahead of time. Each of us have, have created some, some thoughts here in our minds. Uh, and we were pretty sure as Don approached us with this topic that he was just trying you know, using the podcast as a guise to be able to get information from us as his team. But, you know, we're pretty candid anyway. Diana pointed out, we don't need a podcast to do that. We will jump all over you at any given time and say all the things that we want to say, right? Yep. Yep. Every uh, time. I, I so appreciate it too. It's really great. <laughs> it's really I great. often wonder how many times I have made Don cry. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm guessing out there. I mean, I will say you don't get to see it that much. I mean, so it's usually in the parking lot after work. Uh, after, I'll drive away and get to a safe parking spot and kind of pull off to the side and just give myself a good cry, get myself fired up. Right. There, there is, you know, there's, there's, man, there's a lot that goes along with this. There is benefit of being able to create the space and have those candid conversations. There probably is a right and a wrong way employee to be able to bring up some of these things as well. You know, so a lot of it is how do we have, you know, what's the approach like, what's the conversation like, but here's some, just some quick hitters maybe on some of the topics, some of the things that we have noticed that your employees just probably aren't going to tell you. So I'm going to start with Diana and then maybe we'll move over to Bethany and then uh, just further the conversation from there. You guys want to do this where maybe we'll talk about one and, and debrief it, or do you want to give us your whole three top three things maybe right now? Diana, what do you want to do? Well, and just uh, go around from there and see where the conversation takes us. Do all three of me said? No, just do one. Oh, do one. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't hear the first part. Yeah. Okay. Diana, give us your top. So mine is I don't think anyone would tell their boss that their boss is out of touch with reality. Um, and what I mean by that is I think a lot of times owners or bosses, what? Don's writing these down. Just yeah. oh. And who said them? He's writing them down. <laughs> well, I think a lot of times bosses get promoted and they haven't done the work in a while and they don't realize that like, so many things have changed. New technology has been introduced or there's different other managers that you have to communicate with or whatever. And they don't recognize the amount of time that something takes or how the process has changed. And they just don't know how it works anymore. And so when they come and say, you should just do it this way, they don't realize that like, that's not how it works anymore. Or they are so disconnected from the front lines that they, they just, can't relate anymore and so i just think sometimes they lose touch with that reality of how it's actually going and i don't think that anyone would tell their boss that but i think it happens pretty often i like how you framed it too that they're they have lost touch with reality that's probably very hard for a boss <laughs> to hear but how many bosses do we work with too how many people in managerial positions do we work with that are now the manager of the group that they came 
from. And it's really hard for that manager. If you're listening, I'm just, I just want to say that I hear you. I get it. Like, it's really hard to let that old job go, especially when you really kind of liked it. And now you don't get to do some of the fun things that you used to be able to do in that group or with that group, because now you have to be the manager, quote unquote. Um, and, and it is, it is, you know, losing touch of reality, technology change, process change, you know, and so, so I get that. We work in that space quite a bit. Don, what were you going to add? Well, I can remember when I was an engineer, we were building a building and we were doing the cost estimate for the building. And so you kind of have a cost per square foot on the building we were listing it out. And we had put the building, laid it out and figured out well, how big it was going to be, how many square feet it was going to be. And it was this big warehouse and we multiplied the numbers and it was just a little bit over the budget, a little bit over the budget. And so the vice president of our division was like, no problem, just cut some square footage out of it. Just cut some, just take a corner out of the building and literally like say, just take like a, and it was, a, it's like a, a ridiculously small amount. It was so close to the budget. It was so close. And that's an estimate anyway, but it literally took a bite out of the side of the building to make the, to drive the cost down. Now it didn't actually change the cost of the building at all. When you add a corner, like it's the same number of walls, if you cut a bite out of the building, but to, to this day, there's a building that exists somewhere that has a bite out of the building that's unexplained bite out of the building. And supposedly it was to cut the budget. And even though when the boss asked for that and I told them like that actually won't cut the budget. And they said, you told me that the cost per square foot was this. And if I take this cost, this cut out of the building, it will reduce the square footage. So now why are you telling me that will not decrease the cost? And I went into the detail, the explanation, and he didn't want that. And so we ended up cutting the, the taking the bite out of the building. I just, I still remember that there's, I, I could show you a picture of the building. It's pretty funny. Yeah. There's just a bite out of the side of the building. Now they've uh, they have since bought a temporary shed that sits off to the side of the building to store all <laughs> the stuff they don't have space for now in the bite that's gone. That's going to fit that's in true. this corner. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And you know, and this is going to be kind of a common theme I think that we talk about with each of these is that, and it just kind of a show of hands or maybe use your voices since this is a podcast. But how many of you feel like that is a conversation that the employee potentially? should have or somebody needs to have with the boss if that's the scenario they've lost kind of touch with reality the perception is a little they're trying to manage things that they don't necessarily need to manage anymore like what do you all like do you think we should do have that conversation yeah i mean i wouldn't ever phrase it that i said that like hey boss you're out of touch with reality that won't go over well <laughs> but i think if you sit down and say like hey i really want to show you how this works or how this is supposed to work and maybe we can come up with a better solution or here's my solution for what you're trying to solve. I think that's a better conversation, but yeah, I, I think it should be had. Yeah, that's great. I feel, like, I feel like I was going to add to that because we had, so before I worked with people centric, I did recruiting for um, a university and every once in a while we would have somebody who was not directly our boss, but it was like, it was like a VP at some level and used to do what we did and would come, come to us every once in a while to give us tips on how to recruit. And it was always very annoying because for that reason, it was like, you did this probably 10 years ago and lots have changed. Lots of things have changed in this world <laughs> since then. And so despite your best efforts, this is not helpful at all. And I think we tried to, to say that without saying it so mean. <laughs> I think we tried to explain like, here's what we are running up against. And how would you, how would you 
handle that? Or did you run into this whenever you were doing this job or things like that? So I think we tried to tried to have those conversations, even though it did feel like there was those moments of, okay, this doesn't feel relevant. And he feels kind of out of touch right now. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Again, I think it's that approach. Yes. So we agree. Yes. The conversation needs to happen. How I approach it might be a little different. Bethany, give us your top one. Okay. Well, this is, this is not my main top one, but it's a side one. I feel like is like you're talking about Don the kind of the lingo of could be the rundown. I feel like that happens a lot. And maybe, I don't know if that happens all throughout your career or just like the beginning of your work experience. I feel like that happened so much. Um, when I first started working out of college, I was like, what's a KPI? What's a, you know, like all of these things that nobody teaches you in college. And luckily I felt like I was in an environment where I could be like, what are those things? What does that mean? <laughs> the other day, Diana had to do that for me. We were on the call with a client and they used some acronym that I was like, I just wrote in teams. Like I was like, that was to look up later. <laughs> she saw my note and was like, here's what that is. And I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, it so, happens. so the so the, the point from yours might be they might not tell you they they won't tell you that they don't understand something yeah. maybe the runabout uh, the the rundown thing or to, to fax it to that number they don't know but the answer the impulse is yes how come employees are so quick quick to to maybe give the impression that they understand or they're afraid to tell the boss that they don't understand I mean you don't want to look incompetent I think in general is you want to make sure people know that you are hired and you're the right person for the job and that you can and that you can execute and you know what you're talking about and you want to maintain that appearance to both your boss and your co-workers and your clients too. I I mean I think personally for us like all of us individually want to do well I think employees anywhere working anywhere that report to somebody want to make sure that that somebody thinks that they're doing a good job that they can trust them, that I know some stuff, like I'm dependable, you know, I'm knowledgeable, I work hard, those types of things. Um, and I think our human response is to immediately go, nope, yep, got it, got it, got it. And like you said, I'm gonna look that up later because I have no idea what that means. Or and let me Right, and I feel like that's something that, that I've learned is that really most people are, most people do that all the time is they yeah. just look up the answers for things or if they don't know people are like oh no problem like let me explain that to you really quick it's usually yeah, I mean, not a big deal it's such a human human characteristic that sometimes we have trouble expressing when we don't know something or don't understand something i was in a meeting where somebody mentioned something about their cma file and the manager in the room didn't know what a CMA file is. If you don't know what a CMA file is, you may have never worked for a large corporation. A CMA file is a cover my ass file. That's what a CMA file is. And so it's, I'm gonna put something into the file to basically like, I'm gonna record this email or I'm gonna do something. So I have some record, some chain of record in case somebody blames me for this later. And they just kind of jokingly mentioned it in a meeting, like, well, that'll be for the CMA file. And the manager, like at the end of the meeting, didn't know what a CMA file and made some comment about like that and says, and it's really good. Let's make sure we put all of these things into the CMA file so that we have a good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was really serious about it. The whole room was kind of like, that's awesome. Wait a minute. You were ser- you're serious about it. You're not joking. <laughs> all right, we'll do that. We'll put it all into yeah. a CMA file and, and we'll keep that for real. Yep. From now on, everything goes into the CMA files. Everybody got that? And you just not hear that you understand that. 
You didn't know what that meant. What is that for? Yep. <laughs> Great. All right. So that, that, I mean, I think that's definitely human, human nature. Let's take that to the next step though, too. If I'm the manager, just for the employees that are listening, if I'm the manager, do you want people to be able to approach you and say that they do not understand? Or do you want them to be halfway down the road, either stressing out or trying to fix something that doesn't need fixed in the first place, you know, but because they're trying to appease you, which way would you rather them go? Right. Diana, were you going to add something? I was, I was going to say that I, I feel like a lot of managers probably don't create the environment where people feel comfortable saying, what is that? What are you talking about? I think us being as consultants, we are very good at being like, man, we're new here. We don't, I don't know what you're talking about, or that's an acronym I've never heard. And so I think I've learned to just say and ask the dumb question because no one has ever been like, wow, you're an idiot for not knowing that. Everyone's just been like, oh, it's this. And I'm like, oh, gotcha. And I move on. But I think it does take an environment where you feel comfortable doing that. And I think a lot of places don't create that safety in that feeling. Yeah, because I mean, if we if we don't have the answers to some of those questions, if we haven't created the environment for that safety to occur, for them to be able to bring up things, then you're probably your next step manager is you're probably going to be really frustrated with your people because you're going to feel like that they're not doing anything, that they're not doing what it is that you asked them to do. When the reality is they might not have understood, but they're afraid to approach you. So that's that, I would say that's good. It's a good thought there yeah. too. Just yesterday, Don asked me to do something that was totally outside of the normal thing that he asked me to do. He's like, hey, can you just jot down some of your thoughts about, uh, I forget what it was, some something. And I was like, uh, yeah, can I ask some questions about what you're actually looking for so that I know that I'm jotting down the right thoughts? Like, what exactly are you looking for from me? And I, I just asked a few questions and he was like, great, here's what I was thinking. Here's what I need. I just like yeah. your insight on this thing. And so I, but if I hadn't asked the question, I probably would have sat there for 30 minutes freaking out. Like, what does he really want from me? I'm very confused. I don't like that. I don't know. Like, but I was Don is creating space that it's safe enough for me to be like, can you explain a little bit more what you need from me? Yeah. yeah. And I've seen it work with clients before and in my career before where that interaction never happens. And I've talked to the boss where the boss asks for the rundown and they never ask what the rundown is and they deliver the product. And then the boss never even comes back and says, I, this is terrible. This is not what I asked for. You've totally missed the mark. And they never give that feedback either. And then there's a judgment that's made about the performance of the employee when just a simple question would have cleared it up. And maybe the employee can do the thing that you want them to do. So yeah, I was, I was hoping just for insight, if you're an employee, I was hoping Diana would ask me more questions. I was laying it out and saying, here's what I, I would like some input on this. Can you give me some input? And here's what I'm trying to do. And I laid it out. And then Diana said, can I ask you quite more questions about that? And I'm like, please, that's exactly what I hoped you would ask for. Yeah. And the, the feedback was great. And it was exactly what I needed. Don did a great job of replying back to me and saying, this is exactly what I needed. Thank you. I appreciate you doing this because otherwise I would have been like, uh, was that not helpful? I am sorry. I thought I was giving you what you needed, but he immediately responded after I sent it to him and he was like, this is exactly what I needed. Thank you. So there was safety in me saying, can I ask more questions? And then there was also like this good feeling of, yeah, I did it. It's where you did it. You did what I needed. Great. So that like that's the and maybe I misspoke and saying that's the top one for Diana or Bethany. Maybe just wants to achieve the list. Diana, give us another one from yours. 
I'm gonna go with I have a lot. I have a lot. I have a lot on <laughs> this. Topic. Page two and three now in her notebook. No, like what? I know it's a very long list. You got okay. it on the um, I, I do. I'm very organized. The next one I think I think people don't say enough is I'm looking for another job. Oh yeah. That's yeah, really I'm pretty sure. I, I'm interested to know why that made the list because I, I understand why they don't say that. I know, but here's the deal. I have been a manager of people for a long time and I have had several people come to me and say, I'm looking for another job because I'm unhappy. Now, I don't know if that's because it's people centric and we're very open or whatever, or if it's because I create the space for people to do that. But multiple times I've had people come to me and say, I'm looking for another job. And that immediately sparks a deeper conversation about their goals and their dreams and what they're wanting and why they're looking. And I think, I think I've kept a lot of people because we've had the conversation. And then I think I helped a lot of people move on to the, their actual dream. And I think that's really cool. And I don't think that employees often tell their bosses that they're looking for another job because it's scary and it's terrifying, but I have really enjoyed it when employees have told me that they're looking for another job because it does create different space. But that's because you're a good boss. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if that's true. Would handle it that way. They should, but it's a, it kind of goes back to that environment. All of these do, I'm sure. It's like it, it depends on the environment, but yeah. If, I, if I'm that, if I'm that boss, you know, again, we talked about the employee's emotional reaction first. The boss is going to have an emotional reaction too. They're they are not void of emotions because they have reached the status of manager now, right? There are there's an emotional reaction to that. And maybe the first emotional reaction is I can't believe it. Like for all the support I've given, for all the benefits that we offer, for all the, you know, whatever knickknacks that I, you know, whatever that is, there's an emotional response. But then if I can take a step back and maybe think rationally as a boss, now there's kind of a mental to-do list. Maybe my job now is to try to keep them. Maybe it is. Maybe my job though is now to, identify you know some sort of a succession planning start to think about that the benefit is they didn't just leave they gave you the opportunity to be able to kind of help offboard gracefully and part of offboarding gracefully is letting them leave well but then also i can tap into their knowledge that maybe they have if they if they are going to a better uh better place I was gonna throw a better, off to a better place now they didn't die they're just leaving right this is <laughs> but if they are trying to go to a better situation, maybe for them personally, uh, then I can utilize their knowledge, find out what it is that they know so I can help onboard the next person. Maybe that's going to be there. I can identify, like I said, the succession plan. Like, there's a list of things now the manager, if I'm thinking rationally, probably should start doing uh, step in step and they don't have to do it alone. They can do it with that employee at the same time, if it's appropriate. That makes sense. Yeah, I know there are times when when the employee has come to me and said, like, I'm following my passion or I'm pursuing this next thing in my career. And I'm never upset with them for doing that. I'm a realist, right? Like, I get it. If this isn't the place for you, that's okay. And I want you to actually find where you're supposed to be. And so when those moments have happened, I've actually helped employees like written really cool reference letters for them or reached out to somebody that I knew and connected them. I think it's a worthy conversation and it's, I, I wish that we all lived in a world where we could do that and have that open 
space to talk about those things. Yeah. All right, great. Bethany, give us another one from your list, please. So this is kind of the flip side of what Diana was talking about, but it's sort of like, I think for managers who, because managers are not always trained on how to manage, sometimes I think there are managers or newer managers who don't know how to effectively hire or fire somebody. And so I think that they run into like, I need people or I can't have this person on my team anymore, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I feel like we've seen those before too, where people, where managers get stuck and they're like, they just sort of feel paralyzed of like, I don't know how to go down this road or this person has to be like, they cannot be on our team anymore, but I don't know how to handle that situation or I don't know how to talk to that person, but I don't want to take it to my boss because then they'll feel like I'm not a good manager um, or, you know, whatever. And so I think that, yeah, so that's one that I would add there too. So as a, man so as a manager, it's hard to tell your boss that I, I need help managing. Yeah. I need help perform, you know, and if you think about it from a, you know, from a frontline uh, employee, it's hard for that employee to tell the manager, I don't, I don't know that I'm great at this job. I don't understand my job. Same conversation, but there's just this higher expectation or higher bar you know, that's the proverbial bar, I would say, that's out there from a managerial level saying, whoa, wait a second, you've achieved the status, you have climbed that hill. What do you mean you don't know how to manage? Like you have the title, get out there and uh, get out there and manage. But it is a, a humbling thing, maybe for the same reasons we talked about earlier. And Bethany, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but same reasons we talked about earlier is because we do want to do a good job. We don't, we don't want to appear incompetent. I don't want to appear that I don't know how to manage. I'm not even saying that I don't want to manage. I do. I just maybe need some more support or more help, you know, to be an effective manager. Is that kind of where you were going as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Diana? I into one that I had and it's, it's, I need help. I don't think most people ask for help enough. And I think that's sort of what Bethany was also saying is like, do, do we have the space and the freedom to say and raise my hand and say, I need help no matter what it is with, do you have the space to say that? Yeah. Yeah. That's challenging. And you think about the problem that creates, like, especially around the management side, I'm not sure how to manage my people. I can see why a lot of managers would struggle telling their bosses, I, I don't know how to do this job that you hired me for. And, and the, the consequence of that is what we see is that most managers don't get a lot of management training. And it's because, the, and sometimes we'll talk to the owners of companies and they'll say, well, my people aren't telling me that they need this. And we were like, well, that's not really surprising. You really think your managers are going to come to you and saying, I don't know how to manage the people when they've been promoted in that position. They feel like there's a lot to lose going to you and saying, hey, I'm not good at this job. I'm not good at this. I need to be, I need to learn how to become better at it because they feel like maybe you'll feel like you made a mistake and move them to a different job. So they don't bring that stuff up. Managers aren't trained. Managers perform poorly. Managers are the number one cause of disengagement in the workforce. That, that, that's a big, big problem. Yeah. And, and I'll just say to, to that is I feel like a personal example, like I feel like I've been able to bring things to Don about our job, even to say like, hey, I don't feel like I'm doing this effectively, this specific thing or and I feel like he's never been like, well, what's what the heck's wrong with you? <laughs> he's always been like, oh, well, thanks for telling me. And maybe we need to talk through this a little bit more. Maybe it's just like we just need to figure out if, if you need to to be doing this a different way, or um, we need a new process for this or something like that. So, and so it's been helpful. So I know that I can have those conversations. It's not, it's not like, 
Okay, well, I guess this is it. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. Yeah. We're done. It is it's done. Over. Thanks for bringing. Thank you for bringing the attention. The mistake I have made by putting my trust <laughs> into you. Yes. <laughs> Don, let's hear one of yours. I think that I'm I'm going to get a little bit generic here, which is a little risky because it could knock out a whole bunch of things from other people's list. But I think that employees are less likely to bring up something, anything that they think is going to upset their manager, anything that they think is going to upset them. So. Things like, okay, your, your, your product is good. I don't think our product's very good is a good example. Like, I don't think the thing that we make is very good at the end of the day because they don't want to tell the manager who probably is very passionate about the product that maybe it's not as good as they think it is or you know, their, their style. It goes back to a little bit what Bethany says about the manager. You're not a good manager. You know, I'll, I'll flip it around. You talk about managers not telling their boss that they feel like they're not a good manager. Employees aren't going to tell their manager that they're not a good manager either. You're not going to go to your boss. It's, it's very unlikely you're going to go to your boss and say, you're not managing yeah. me well. You could be managing me so much better. You should go take a management course. Like that will not end well for most people going to an employee, a boss and saying, you need to go take a management course or you're not managing me the way that you should be managing me. That's, that's, those are hard conversations to have. Hard conversations, and for those people that are listening, going, yeah, but I desperately need to have that conversation. Like, what options do employees have in that scenario? Because they're kind of limited, right? I would say, like, don't do, don't, this is something not to do, is don't go talk to all of your coworkers about how bad your manager is, because that's that idea. never helpful. Yeah, that's a good tip. What else? I think if you can try to approach it as an employee, first of all, I think you have to recognize the situation because a lot of things we're talking about are for healthy teams. But by the way, employees, you have a role in creating the healthy team too by what you bring up and not bring up. So we see employees not bringing up things that they should be bringing up. And sometimes we see managers not handling that well. But I'd say more often, I think managers can handle more than what employees think that they can handle. So, so give, your, give your boss a little bit of grace and how you bring it up. But then when you bring it up, I think I would bring it up in terms of maybe some questions or in from the perspective, try to find the perspective of the boss that you're talking to. So like if your boss is not a good manager, don't sit down and say, maybe you should take a management class. You know, maybe, maybe you should take this class. There's, I'm just going to slide this across the desk here. Maybe you should take this. That's kind of passive a little bit. It's just, it just might say, it might be saying, hey, I just want to, I want to help you as a, as a team member of yours. It seems like in these situations, it seems like these are a struggle. Are you frustrated with those situations? You know, and maybe asking some questions that help the, the, your manager to kind of recognize for themselves. Yeah. I could probably use some more support in that or, you know, or, or maybe share from your perspective of just saying, maybe that I just want to share with you. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but here's how that landed with our team. This is what this is what it sounded like. Or let me ask you a question about: Did you mean this? Did you intend this when you brought this up? We had a situation that Beth and I were in recently, where a a boss, a, 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 a well, an employee's boss sent an email that was misunderstood, and, and and caused some problems. And and he was frustrated with it. And we said, Well, did you ever go to your boss and say, Why did you send that email? You know, or when you sent that email, here's what it created in our team. It created a lot of confusion. How I want to support you really well as your employee, but I'm not sure how when you when you do that. Tell me how I can work with you, and, and I think there's 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 definitely some courage that needs to come up for that. But I think it's it's the how can I support you, not coming at it judgmentally. And I agree 100% what Bethany said. A lot of times when we feel powerless about having that conversation, we think we can't have that conversation. Then we're going to have the conversation with all the wrong people, which means everybody else on our team. 
And we have a definition for that. And that's you becoming toxic. And, and you don't want to do that. That's not good for you. That's not good for your team. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize that too. And I think the first place that starts, like you said, Don, is, is okay. So recognizing, have I done a good job for my end? Uh, is there truth or validity to this? Okay. How do I want to react? I mean, it, maybe even taking a second just to think about how you want to react instead of just reacting, I think is also an important part of that too. So Don, you want to give us another one? I think another one I'd give is that employee, and, and this is another vein from a, another topic that we started on, is they're not going to tell you that they don't understand the financials. We yeah. see this a lot. You know, the bosses will stand up in front of the room and say, we've got to become more profitable as a company. We really have to drive revenue. We really have to cut expenses. We really need to be doing these things. And the employees are agreeing because they know that they're not wrong. Like, I know I've heard that before. I've heard that in other places, but I really don't have visibility over that. I don't know how to help you in that. We were in a meeting uh, this week where we were doing some strategic planning and the, the, the head of the company was saying, we need to become more profitable. We have to, we have to only do things that are really drive profit. And one of the managers of the team asked a great question saying, I can't see that. I have no visibility over that. So how am I know if when we do that new thing, if it's going to be profitable or not? And it was a good moment for the whole team because the team kind of took a step back and said, oh, that's a great point. Like we're not showing you that. So this employee took a big risk in saying like, I don't understand the financials or I can't see the financials or they're not visible to me, but you're asking me to do things that help the financials, allow them to bring that up. And it's going to start to open things up a little bit for that company. They're going to be able to share some things more in terms of key metrics, key things that they need to follow to ensure profitability. Uh, it, it's, it's, we assume, and we talk to bosses all the time and say, well, I talk, I bring it up all the time. We need to be more profitable. And my team doesn't seem to care. It may not be that they don't care. It may not, it may be that they don't understand or you're not showing them enough information to be able to follow it. It's not, it's, so I just had a conversation with somebody about this, a similar conversation today with somebody about this where, and it wasn't necessarily financials, but it was data. So they're, they're starting to present data to their team and they're having these regular meetings. And so we had the conversation of like, you have to be careful that you're not just presenting data and it's very one-sided and you're presenting it and then everybody leaves the meeting. Like make sure that the meeting is actually impactful and that they understand what the data is and that you're bringing them into the conversation. And so simply just start asking them questions instead of waiting for them to ask you questions about that data that you're presenting. Who do you think it's a harder sell for in that scenario? Was it a harder sell for managers to want to share more information financially? Or is it a harder sell to bring the employees to the table to receive it? I think the harder sell is for the owner to bring the financials to the table. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's a general, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think we've even done episodes on this is the idea of why is that scary to be able to share. But what I think was good about that conversation was they realized it's not everything. You're not asking for everything to bring to the table. I could make an argument where you could bring all, you should probably as an owner bring almost everything to the table. But I recognize if you're an owner, you probably are going to listen to that and go, I disagree with that. And I'm, I'm okay with that. However, are you saying that you, you're, if you're going to hold your people accountable to something, but they can't see the something you're holding them accountable to, how are they supposed to perform? Right. So, so I'm going to challenge you to find how are ways that you could expose people to better information so they can see if you're winning or not. Yeah, that's, that's true. Some of the frustrations maybe that have been bubbling up, bubbling up for management or business owners going, I can't believe they're making silly decisions or man, they just don't care about the company at all. They just, you know, they think I have all this money, you know, a, a lot of that might be your own fault because you haven't done a good job, good enough job of paving the way to allow them to make 
good financial decisions too. So another thing, another corollary of that is that employees will not tell you that they don't care about profit. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is a truth. Now, some of the owners are going, listening to this going, like, I have no idea what you just meant, what you mean by that. Let me tell you, let me drop a truth bomb on you. When you talk about profit, for many companies, the employees do not care. You can say, we've got to become more profitable as a company. The employees are sitting there going, why? I don't understand why. That sounds fine. I'm not against that, but you can't, I don't know why we need to be more profitable. I don't know why I should care about that. So sometimes as an owner, you have to, you should recognize that you do need to help your employees understand what profit does for them. That could mean that you're going to share the profit with them, but it also could just mean it allows us to get more choices as a team. It allows us to be more secure as a team. It allows us to get more cool things or give us more experiences or add flexibility, whatever the reasons that your employees should care about profit. I think you need to explore that and help your employees to understand that. Right. I agree. I think a lot of times that people think when companies are more profitable, that the profit just goes directly back to the owner so they can live in a fancier house and drive a fancier car. And, you know, that's not usually the reality, especially on in smaller companies, but it's because the owner hasn't shown them any of the information. So it just sounds like the owner is saying, be profitable so that I can live better, you know, and that's not necessarily the reality. Uh, yeah, but I think that's true. I think that's what people think. That's a don't. That's if you're an, uh, an owner. That's a that's a don't say to your employees. Also, that's not a, maybe not a part of this podcast. That's probably don't do. My boat only can go this fast, and <laughs> it's really annoying to me. So I would really love to be able to upgrade it next year. Yeah, yeah. There is only one person on our team that has a boat, and it's not Don. Don doesn't want a boat. <laughs> I wanted, if Don wanted, wanted a boat, Don could have a boat. I, I don't need a boat. All I have to do is know someone else with a boat. So <laughs> and you don't have to maintain the boat. You don't have to, yeah, it's great. It's a great I have with a boat. Ditto with a truck. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I have some limbs at my house, Matt. So if you want to come over, I'd give you some whiskey. Or <laughs> some limbs. Burn <laughs> <laughs> it. <laughs> Not driving my truck in there for some limbs. <laughs> all right y'all want to I, we should probably start wrapping up here i know we've been talking for a while bethany you want to share one more of those yeah i just have one okay, okay. Ira wants to share one more too so maybe both of you maybe just hit them both and then let's get final thoughts on them here so we can uh, move to close this was this is kind of my final one and this is maybe because of the empathizer in me and it might feel heavy but i think that one thing that sometimes employees might not be willing to share with their boss is if their mental health is suffering. And I think sometimes sometimes when your mental health is suffering, we try to come to work and we try to show up as if everything is normal and we're going to do our job and we're going to but it's but we can't pretend that it won't impact us at work because it will. And so I think that's one reason why it's really important for employees to, to make sure, well, managers, I guess, to make sure that they're having regular check-ins with their employees so they kind of know what's going on because, because it will show up at work if you don't talk to your boss about it at some point. And I don't think it has to be an excuse. There's probably a, there's probably a line where people abuse that, but I think don't be afraid to have those conversations when you need to. That's a great one, Bethany. I had, I had a, a job at one point where I had a boss who was going through a lot of personal issues and was showing up to work regularly, very upset and, and 
showing it, definitely taking it out on employees. Everyone could, everyone knew it. I think they thought they were hiding it, but everyone else knew it. And one member of the team actually went into the office and closed the door and just said, you're not okay. I don't know if you think you're okay, but you're not okay. And everyone else knows it. Can I help you? And I think it really did end up bringing the team together really well. And I think it made the boss feel loved just that they were, they were talked to and said, Hey, I'm going to help you with this. You know, that again, all these conversations we're talking about are all risky. It, they could all backfire. Uh, there's some employees who are writing these down going, sweet, I can go have all these conversations tomorrow. And you go in and have all these, and some of you might get bit for some of these. So you have to judge the situation a little bit. Uh, that's a great one, Bethany. First thing, you have lost touch with reality. I think that was Diana's opening point, right? So that, that's, <laughs> don't do that uh, if you do want to. But I would encourage you to, to, to think about the approach. And if there are some conversations that need to be had, then think about how, you know, the best way to be able to have those conversations. Otherwise, if you don't do it, uh, if you don't bring up some of those concerns that maybe you have, you know, it's not that your brain just stops thinking about them. You just get inundated by it, you know, by it yourself. Uh, instead of being able to share that with other people too. Diana, you wanted one more? Yeah, it's going to be another blunt one. My other one is they're not going to say that policies are punitive, so I cheat the system. <laughs> so, that's Thanks for joining us today on More Than Work. More than work. <laughs> that's a good one though. We see oh, that snap. all the time. We see yeah, that all yeah the time. we see it all the time. And, and I, I don't think employees, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, you're going to say what I was going to say. Nine times out of 10, employees don't go to it saying like, I'm going to cheat. But let's give an example, Matt. We have a real life example, right? Can you think of one? Um, the, the number one uh, example that I could think of, and I use this all the time whenever I'm speaking to different people, is this manufacturing company. And the manufacturing company had a process called uh, they had a process called red tag. So if you got red tagged on something, so if I was creating something, if I was manufacturing a product and I brought it to you to be able to, to quality to see if it was good enough or not to pass or fail, if it failed because there were some imperfections on it, you got a red tag. Too many red tags and you're fired. The problem is they didn't know what they were creating this thing for. You know, if they were creating something that you or I as consumers would buy, there could be some imperfections. It could pass. But if you were creating something that was going to, you know, like the military, it had to be perfect. We're not going to tell you what it is you're creating it for. Just create it, bring it, and we'll tell you whether or not it passes or fails. And so what people were doing were they were creating it and they were like, oh, this has, I think this is a blemish. And they would throw it away. They would scrap it and they would start over again. The reality was the organization was losing a ton of money on raw material. And they were wondering how come, why are they losing all this money on raw material? Well, the employee, you made the rule, employer, the employees made their own rule within the bounds, but they worked around this measure, this punitive measure. And nine times out of 10, when you go to the ownership of the company and say, this is what they're doing, this is where that's coming from it's a face palm reaction from the employer going, I never meant for it to be like that. We just wanted to ensure good quality was leaving. I did not mean for it to strike fear and they, they work around that. And like that, that is one that bit them. So that's an example, I think, of what you're talking about. It is. Yeah. And Don, you do an exercise where you have people roll a dice, right? Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I think that's along the same. 
Yeah, I show how, how easy it is to make employees cheat and become unethical is what I'll do is I'll have a couple of dice and I'll say, hey, roll a number and I'm going to train you on what I need. I need high numbers from you. Roll a high number. Roll, roll, a, roll a 10, 11 or 12, please. And I'll hand the dice to somebody in the audience and I'll have them roll the dice and they'll roll the dice. And so if they roll a high number, I'm like, that's a great job. Like you, you're great. Like I'm a great trainer. You're a great employee. That's fantastic. Good job. And then I'll go to the next person. I'll say, Hey, roll a number. And if they roll a no low number and I'll say, okay, all right, maybe my training wasn't very good. I'll take full responsibility for this. And then I'll say, okay, we had to try it again. And then they roll a number to me to roll it low again. I'm like, okay, now it's a performance issue. Now clearly you're not doing the right thing. I'll say, roll it again. And almost every single time, fairly quickly, the person will take the dice and look at it and then slap it down on the table to get to to get 12 like they won't roll it anymore they'll 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 cheat in order to get the right number uh that's and i show that, it, that show me how you're going to measure up and i'll show you how i'm going to measure it. i mean that, that that's that's very true i can remember i worked for a large company that they decided to take away everyone's printers and they decided to do it to save a little bit of money i guess and they put the printers in like one centralized location for us in our job it just wasn't going to work it wasn't going to be very convenient so there was this underground system that was set up for underground printers in this, this company uh, where we literally, like we received a phone call like underground, like, okay, they're gonna come for your printers, they're coming on Thursday. So on Wednesday night, we took all the printers and we hid them in our filing cabinets and stuff and locked the filing cabinets so that they couldn't find them. They're like, well, we were told there were printers out here, but they're not here, that's weird. And so they never found those. And then we ordered a whole bunch of secret cartridges for the ink and stuff like that. Like we ordered like a multiple, like five-year supply of cartridges and hid them someplace else. And there was a whole network of people that did the same thing of behind the scenes and management was running it. And no one, none of the employees were gonna tell management that we disagree with your decision so hard that we're willing to cheat the system behind the scenes to, to overcome that. Um, management, I'm sure never found out about that until so you listen to this two, podcast. Yeah. Step number two of this conversation is how do you overcome that? Clearly the softball question is, well, should we talk about those types of things? Yes. How do you overcome something like that? What's the best tip we can give? I think it's really hard. First, I mean, I don't. I don't sorry. Go, so, sorry. Go ahead, Diana. No, you go ahead, Don. Well, Diana and I talk about this. You might have been saying the same thing: is don't manage through policy, is one thing, and we see people do that a lot. Is I, I'm going to, instead of me telling my employees what I would like them to do or not like them to do, I'm going to create a universal policy that I can say, hey, it's not me; it's the policy, is ultimately I think what you're trying to do. So things like printers and things like that across a large company, basically what you're telling your people is I don't trust you to make that decision. So I'm going to make that decision for everyone here. And even though some of you have an alternative to it or have a need that you really need to have those things closer, I'm not going to trust you to make that decision. So I'm going to take it away from you. So for, for one thing as a manager, don't do that. Don't policy yourself through those decisions. If you're an employee and you see that, I hope you have the courage of going to your boss and saying, you may not have thought through all of this. Like, let me help like, 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 I appreciate the we'll follow whatever you need me to do, but we may not have thought through this. Let me tell you what the impact will be because I, I'm trying to help you not shoot, shoot ourselves in the foot here and, and that information, have that be courageous to have that discussion uh, when, when that comes up. Because sometimes the boss makes those decisions not recognizing what the impact's gonna be. Yeah, and I'll add a little bit to that. I think policies are written and they try to cover every single situation and every single thing that could happen and all the loopholes are closed. And then if somebody works around that, they rewrite the policy because somebody worked around it. When in reality, you should just write a policy that covers most your bases. 
like covers generally most your bases. And those people that fall outside or are the anomaly and found the loophole, you need to go talk to that human being and tell them not to do that anymore. Don't rewrite your policy to like fit everything in. Just say like, hey man, that's not the spirit of the policy. Don't do that anymore. Which goes back to the what Don was saying is like, don't manage through policy, manage through conversation, through through uh, collaboration, don't manage through policy. It's a good thought. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode here, and maybe you have your own list too. If you'd like, uh, maybe additional information on that, or or uh, can you do an? I need to have this type of conversation. Could you maybe do an episode where you talk about having these types of conversations? We'd be happy to be uh, to uh, entertain that too. Diana, how do they get a hold of us, and uh, maybe bring us some additional topics if they'd like? You can find us on any social media platform, or you can email us directly at more than work at peopleccg. More than work at peopleccg.com. Awesome. Sounds Thanks. great. All right. Uh, hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.